if we don't do it, Sky will. The Football Podcast. Three friends picking the bones out of the weekend's football. Hello and welcome to episode eight, season two of If We Don't Do It, Sky Will, the football podcast. We're back after another exciting weekend in the Premier League. Uh, all sorts of headlines all over the place. Um, Arsenal at the top of the league won 5 0 against uh, hapless Nottingham Forest, who couldn't continue their good form uh, after beating Liverpool. Newcastle with a 4 0 win. Um, Almiron has scored six goals in October, uh, surely player of the month as they cement, should I say, uh, their place in the top four. Brighton uh, beating Chelsea four goals to one on Graham Potter's comeback to the Amex. First win for Deserbi. Man City win at Leicester to stay in touch. A couple of draws elsewhere. And then there's our three teams. Uh, we are three friends who pick the bones out of the weekend's football. And we support Tottenham Hotspur, Manchester United and Leeds, respectively. With us, as always, is Nick Gilmer, the Manchester United fan. Hello, Nick. Hello. Uh, happy this week after edging out a 1-0 win against West Ham at Old Trafford. I am delighted. That's not the sort of game we win last year. And obviously, I'm double delighted that we're uh, celebrating a win for all of our teams this week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a clean sweep for our three teams this week, especially uh, surprising for our perennially down in the dumps Leeds fan, George Harker, who was sure they wouldn't get anything at Anfield. And uh, we didn't gainsay him on that one exactly, but uh, they only went and did it, didn't they, George? Yeah, surprising is an understatement. That is my club in a nutshell. <laughs> and uh, my name's Alex Gross. I'm the Tottenham fan. Uh, our team uh, went to Bournemouth this weekend, where we usually do well. And uh, exactly what I expected uh, happened, which is a terrible first half in which we did absolutely nothing of note. Went 2-0 down and then somehow uh, clawed back and won 3-2 with yet more goals from corners, which is all we seem to do nowadays. Um, so plenty to talk about, but of course the uh, headline for the pod has to be, it could only be at Old Trafford, Nick, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, George. <laughs> Why change a habit of a lifetime, eh? <laughs> No, you're top of the bill this week, George. Uh, just tell us your feelings after that incredible win at Anfield. Well, like I said, it's my club Sundops, isn't it? Um, can't can't buy a win or a point for. Have you counted the days? Two, I haven't, but it's over two months. Yeah, twenty first <laughs> of August, you beat Chelsea three nil. Yeah, we only beat the big teams, hey. Yeah, but you better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're going to Spurs in a couple of weeks I am aware yeah mm. yeah so yeah I mean nobody surely nobody even dreamed of that happening um no club goes there and wins obviously I think it was, was it March 2021 their last league defeat at home there was that one season when they kept losing at Anfield but that was in front mm. of no crowds wasn't it yeah I was talking to a Leeds fan earlier about other big results since we returned to the Premier League which was Man City away but despite the fact they were already champions, that was behind closed doors. And I just feel like it means a bit less. A bit like Liverpool's title, hey, Nick? Well, the <laughs> one with the big asterisk against it. Yeah. The COVID Cup. So, 
And to do it under the lights, which again obviously makes Anfield so special, as we know, made it just that extra bit sweet. Special night, yeah. Special night indeed. Evening and kickoff, as we alluded to. Again, because of Klopp, he asked for that. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say, as we alluded to in the last pod, um, I'm not going to sit and pretend that we weren't a bit lucky. Melier made nine saves, which is the most of any Premier League goalkeeper this season. So we we did. We, I mean, you have to be lucky to get a result like that, right? You can't just you know just go rock up to Anfield and, and batter them. But um, and we took our two best chances, which again we've just not been doing. So to do it in that game is uh, yeah, it was glorious. Um, I think it was one of those results that the rest of football enjoyed, not just Leeds fans. It seemed to be unheralded around the around the world of sport. Um, yeah. Can nice confirm. Can confirm. <laughs> I love loved seeing that result come in. Uh, yeah. The first goal, can we even call that a chance? No, that is more no. of a wrapped up present. No, and and you know, Klopp's comments about having the two best centre backs in the league, you know, having to go at Southgate for not picking Gomez. I mean, that's just he's he's got that in him, hasn't he? Um one good game against Man City, basically. Basically, yeah, yeah. Um and Van Dijk with um was wasn't even looking. Oh, three three of them weren't looking. Gomez wasn't looking with the pass. Van Dijk wasn't looking at the ball. Um, and Allison was was wandering. So it was a calamity all round. And uh, I did joke though, if if Bamford had started, would he have finished it? Probably not. That goal <laughs> match lit up my United WhatsApp group, and they were all saying that it wasn't down to Virgil. I was trying to blame all of them. Mm-hmm. Virgil wasn't even participating. Van Dijk wasn't even participating in the game. He was looking completely the other way. It was the complete opposite direction. I just yeah, did not yeah. understand how your centre back's not even looking at where the ball. Oh, just, yeah. I mean, it was a dreadful pass, and Allison was not on his feet either. But no, but I just couldn't believe it from Van Dyke. And I've said a few times in this pod before, he's having a bit of a wobble, and that's mm. ongoing now. Yeah, it's nice to put an end to that silly start of his. No, I'm never losing at Anfield. That's sick of hearing about that. I'm delighted that we're the ones that have put an end to that silly run. Um, I think it was 69 games or something crazy. But yeah, um, no, so um, we got excited as well on our WhatsApp group, but you uh, batted that uh, away straight away saying um, that it wouldn't last. And indeed, they <laughs> scored only 10 minutes later, didn't they, through Salah? Yeah. And uh, we've been talking on the show recently about how Leeds always have a great start. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then fall away. You've lost a lot of games second half recently. So what was the difference here? Yeah, I don't know because everything seems to be heading that direction. You know, give away a cheap goal. A couple minutes later, Aronson rattled the bar with a volley um, from quite. I mean, it was a lovely hit, but I feel like he should have scored. He was, he was, he was inside the box, and then we had two one on ones with Allison. So you just thought, well, if you're not going to get that killer second goal and look at Liverpool's bench, it, it seemed inevitable they come out in the second half and and, and run away with it. And like I said, I said it before, didn't I? Melia made nine saves. I think on almost any other day, we lose that game. I know Liverpool weren't at their best and they're in a bit of a bad place at the moment, but they still had the best chances. Um, they just didn't take them one of those one of those days. Um, and didn't you concede six there last season? Six there and four at home. Yeah. So <laughs> we have, yeah. You um, owed them one. So and, now and, let's talk uh, for the benefit of anyone listening who hasn't seen it. Now let's talk about that winning goal. The, yeah, the terrible miscontrol from Bamford. Sorry, I'm having a right go in tonight, aren't I? Um, <laughs> it's a, the heaviest of touches. Uh, I don't know when he's going to get his form back. But in any case, it fell nicely to uh, Crescencio Somerville. Now everyone's aware yeah. of him. I'd rather you say that name, name than I do. <laughs> <laughs> the young little Dutch winger. Um, he took. I thought the more I see that goal, the more I think it was actually a brilliant goal. He took yeah. it really early and caught Allison out from a relatively tight angle with three Liverpool players around him a little cushion on the knee and then he 
pretty much toed it, but into the far corner. And there were absolute scenes behind that goal. <laughs> yeah, there, there was were. limbs everywhere. And and lots of Liverpool fans heading for the exit, which you, again, you rarely see at Anfield, to be fair to them. I know we joke about their atmosphere, but their fans don't tend to be the type to leave early. Yeah. And this was the 89th minute and it was still a good five, six minutes of injury time. Um, and Nick, did you like Jesse Marsh's celebration? I did. I thought um, <laughs> I, I thought he pre-planned it in the mirror. Actually, it was <laughs> very well executed. Yeah. He actually, he actually replied to a question on Twitter today because someone said, "What was that all about?" And he said, "I've no idea." And my wife's been asking me, "What on earth are you doing?" <laughs> so I, I thought it was a semi-deliberate send-up of Klopp. <laughs> I think that's how everyone else interpreted it. Yeah, he's never going to admit that, is he? But yeah. Now, um, please answer something for me, George. There's mm-hmm. not many footballers I'm aware of with a silent G in their name. Who was uh, the player on the left flank before that winning goal called Nyonto? Oh, Willie Nyonto. Yes. Um, we've been waiting for him to, to to play any game. That's his first minutes in the lead shirt. Um, we signed him at sort of like 10 to midnight on deadline day. Young Italian striker from, from FC Zurich, who's actually got five Italy caps and Arsenal's scored for next Italy. Opponents, FC Zurich. Yes, yeah. Um, so he's very, he's relatively unknown in this country, but very well yeah. known in Italy as a wonder kid. He was, uh, I think he was ninth on the Golden, is it Golden Boy, the FIFA Golden Boy nomination oh, wow. of the week. So he's, he's, yeah, unknown in this country, but maybe not for much longer. Um, you say he's got exciting. a senior cap for Italy already? Uh, four or five caps, and he scored for Italy against Germany, oh, wow. actually, when you beat them five. Did you beat them 5-2 or something like that in the Nations League? 5-2 um, indeed. Yeah. Under so the flick. Consolation. I would um, say we'll see him in Qatar, but of course we won't. <laughs> a bit, a bit late for that. Um, but a bit exciting, yeah, exciting young player. And now we have Willie and Cock playing for us, which is great. Willie and Cock, <laughs> grow up. Oh, you found Nick. That is right up your street. Come on. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> I think I think we can only end part one there, can't we? Over the Line is the exciting new book by Alexander Gross on the unparalleled rivalry between England and Germany. It is an in-depth look at 120 years of Anglo-German encounters, from the Christmas truce to the recent success of Gareth Southgate's England. Over the Line is available on Amazon and all good bookstores from the 12th of September. Okay, hello and welcome back to part two. Uh, just to finish off that uh, Leeds at Anfield section, George has got another stat bomb for us. Do love a good stat bomb. Yeah, so <laughs> we have to pay for that sound effect. Um, <laughs> Somerville, the young lad who scored the winner, wasn't even born last time we won at Anfield, which I know is, doesn't necessarily mean he's that old, but it was good 20 years ago. I saw stat. Just to put that into perspective, uh, fantastic win for Leeds. And you got Bournemouth at home next. So, uh, yeah, we're all sure that... Um, Guaranteed loss. Yeah. You'll mess that one up. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, but it's, uh, it looks like a good fixture, doesn't it? After um, Bournemouth have gone backwards a bit. Yeah, I feel like I jinxed them, didn't I? A few weeks ago saying how, what a good job Gary Neal was doing. And they've, um, yeah, they've had a rotten few games. So probably the ideal next fixture for us, yeah. Whereas I boldly predicted they would be dragged into the relegation scrap. Yeah, they're, they're not quite they're still above Leeds, I have to say, <laughs> in uh, 14th. But yes, um, I think in the long term, you might be right there, uh, Nick. They they did take the, take the lead against us, 2-0 lead, uh, which isn't that hard since we, we only play after half-time these days. 
but uh, they were exceptionally uh, negative and fearful from what I heard in the second half against Spurs and sat back and sort of got what they deserved for their timidity in the second half. 23 but, shots I read you had. Yeah. So I don't know. And 53 crosses I was reading about this new, I don't associate you with out-and-out wingers and lots of crossing, but um, well, that seems to have been a new Conte approach. They're not, they're not out-and-out wingers <laughs> because everyone has to defend in the first half. So there's no out-and-out anybody. But uh, yes, they're wing-backs doing the crossing and uh, Son and Perisic when available, taking the corners. And yeah, we've been scoring a lot of goals from corners. Um that basically is our identity now, I think. And it happened again. It happened against Sporting Lisbon when I was there midweek last week. And um, it happened here again at Bournemouth. A little bit more about that later. But at Old Trafford, prime time on Sunday, we had visitors, West Ham United. Nick was saying how they give him nightmares because you've had some bad results recently. But George was quick with the stats there. Yeah, George really uh, uh, (laughs) clapped me down last week. Um, Just to remind us that that's all all in your head. He was right in that the bad experiences tend to have exclusively happened in East London, Um, albeit there are lots to count now. Um, But at home, yeah, I think the record was actually better than it feels like it should be. And um, exactly the same as what happened last year happened. United won 1-0, very tight game. Rashford scored. Um, It was Rashford that took the headlines, but uh, watching the highlights of this one, I didn't watch it live, but watching the highlights, I thought David De Gea was really the one who... Oh, I could have given those any, points. And any of the back five were outstanding. It was one of the best defensive performances this United team have put in. Um, that includes Maguire. Yeah, it, it, Maguire in the second half in particular was almost faultless. And it's nice to see, like going into a World Cup in the next couple of weeks. And yeah. also just on a human level, like we've talked about him a lot on the pod, and he is due a return to form. And it's not so long ago that he was injured, and United's season fell apart a couple of years ago um, when they lost the Europa League final. Um, and he was a good defender and it was nice to see him play with a degree of confidence as the game went on but it suited him West Ham were chopping balls in the box and he was able to sort of put his head his big slap head on everything and and alongside him he's got a much more composed uh, partner than he ever had when he was playing alongside Lindelof yeah Martinez is just outstanding yeah absolutely all that ridicule for his height Uh, those people have been proved wrong already yeah, I mean, and there's not going to be hopefully too many matches now that United have got a proper central midfield. And I have to say, I cannot believe United muddled through with without a proper elite central midfield because it's made all the difference. United look better defensively, they're better going forward. And yeah, Casemiro has really slotted in and turned United into a very different sort of team. Um, so there should be fewer matches where United are being are on the back foot in quite the same way as they have been over the last couple of years. So you can see Martinez now with his class stepping into midfield and becoming a, another midfielder. And his ability to play passes through the lines is every bit as good as Ericsson in front of them. It's incredible. Yeah. So what happened in those few weeks when he wasn't being played and we were discussing whether they bought someone that maybe Ten Hag wasn't in favour of? Uh, now that he's thriving, what's your view on that? Was he just not ready? Uh, fitness-wise? Yeah, I think it must have been. I think he obviously hadn't played or hadn't done a full pre-season, was weeks behind. And I, and I think um, Ten Hag seems to be, uh, you know, the sort of manager who wants his players on the training field to have played his system before he puts them into a match. And I can remember back in the day, like, Fergie buying players on one night and then they play the next night and he'd just chuck them in. Like, Dwight York did it. I think Andy Cole did it. And, and actually, 
I think Ten Hag has, you know, Ronaldo didn't have a preseason. He sat on the bench for the first couple of matches. Yeah. Um, and now he can't get back in the team. And he did the same with Casemiro. I think it was a fitness thing and partly a system thing. But he doesn't seem to mind about players storming off. I was quite surprised to see Ronaldo starting. I going to say, Ronaldo got a game this weekend. Yeah, I mean, he served a shorter punishment than Suella Braverman, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, too topical. On the uh, pulse. <laughs> I think it's a needs must for United, unfortunately. They haven't got many strikers with Tony fit, uh, with Anthony Martial unfit. And to be honest, Ten Hag needs to pick his fights. He's only been there a few months, like absolutely banishing Ronaldo out in the cold. Probably more hassle than it's worth. Just get him to the World Cup and then he can go in January. And yeah, again, again quite course. funny for the neutral observer how he can't buy a goal at the moment. Yeah, I tell you what, he has... He is not the same player that he was even 12 months ago. Like yeah. it's it's actually startling, like the way he swipes at shots. Yeah, and even Mr. Header, say, which yeah. you and I would say uh, he's the best in the world at. And I he, think and he um, looked like it, a 50p head. It will probably be a couple of months before people are finding it sad. At the moment, it's quite amusing, but he has yeah. dropped off so quick. And um, you know, he was one of the best two players on the planet for the last 15 years. Um, but he is not that now. And you know, you start thinking there must be kids in the youth team who could come and have a better go running through the middle than than he's doing. Um, and he doesn't offer a huge amount of link-up play. I f- you forget how selfish he is when he's not banging him in the back of the net. Like he yeah. does not pass the ball. Um, but you know, but I don't forget that. But yeah, well, he deserves a hero send up. He's an incredible player. Um, and you know, he's coming to the end of his career at the elite. It'd be very interesting to see whether he can get back into that form for his country, which. Is as we know so important to him. It is interesting because international football is a slightly different pace, isn't it? And it, it mm. might suit him. It's get the sense that most of his career now is geared up around one last World Cup, and then he could easily end yeah. up in the States in January. So Manchester United are up to fifth. You've had a good run of it since that disastrous derby. A good month, essentially. Well, um, it's, it's been a pretty good run pr- since those two horror results in August. I think, yeah. um, you know, I was very down on the team. And actually, the Brighton loss doesn't look so bad now for this weekend. And mm-hmm. um, Brentford aside, where I think that might have been the, the root of when Ten Hag doesn't, you know, sort of panicked after putting players into a system they they weren't familiar with. Yes. Um, United have been good. Like, I can't be, I can't moan or be pessimistic. This is as good as they've been defensively for years. And then I was great going forward. We still seem to rely on moments of brilliance and, you know, a bit of percentage play, chucking balls in the box. But Ted Hogg talks openly about that. He seems to have a plan for it. And at the moment, that'll do. It was a good game for England all round, really. Uh, yeah. Luke Shaw getting his place back as well. Is that because yeah. the Dutch lad is injured or has he just won his place back? No. So Luke Shaw got back in the team a couple of weeks ago, pretty much after the City match, actually. I think um, mm, he looked that, good. that was when. Yeah. Um, Malassia was was dropped. He's a kid, and and he, I think, mm. you know, he will need some acclimatization. But you're right, Shaw has stepped up. The back five on Sunday were almost faultless. Like, uh, brilliant. How do you feel about one of that back five not being in Spain's preliminary World Cup squad in De Gea? Is he not? Has he not made their? No, I am surprised. Especially there's five Sunday. There's five goalkeepers on the list, and he's not one of them. Please tell me, crazy to me. He's not below Kepper, is he? Kepper's not there, is he? Yeah, and. Uh, Brighton's Sanchez and Brentford's uh, is it Raya. I don't understand it, and I think unfortunately De Gea has been wrongly suge- it's been suggested that because he's not as good as Edison or Allison with his feet, that he's mm. some in some way half a goalkeeper. And he's actually he's been very good at saving stopper. with his feet. Yeah, 
I figured it must have been a decade. I figured it must have been a fallout because it just seems crazy. Yeah, to me, he yeah, knows he's one of the best. He has those games now and then where you just you just can't uh, go past them, as I know very well um, as a Spurs fan. It's happened to us. Uh, but yeah, we want to pick out two saves. The header from Zuma. Unbelievable. It was past him. Back. It was past him. It should have been a goal. It was yeah. a brilliant save. And then the very late shot from Declan Rice as well. Oh, that, I mean, Declan Rice is some player. And, and yeah. it looked like a proper Roy of the Rovers stuff. He's going to bang it in the top corner right in the last minute. And again, that was brilliant save but really only a, a goalkeeper with that sort of physique that sort of long army gangly style that van der Sar had as well would have got like i don't don't see some of the shorter more like edison and Martin. they wouldn't have made that i don't think great save you've made this point at numerous times over the years but i think in in this case i really also think in the 90s uh, in the ferguson glory days declan rice is a player Manchester United would have signed, or they would have somehow made sure they got him. Yeah, there's there's been a couple. Well, I mean, United's place at the peck in the pecking order is different these days. You know, I've, I've talked about Kane in that in that way, and I think Declan Rice is definitely one of those players as well. Yeah, yeah, and then it will be interesting to see because he is he is elite, and unless West Ham are bothering the Champions League places, I don't see him staying there past next summer, particularly yeah. if he has a good World Cup. A lot of people thought he would leave last summer, but he, he decided to stay uh, and he's kissing the badge this year, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, and you don't want to talk up these sort of club heroes and move them on to the, the elite too quickly, but he is some player. And then you think about Bellingham as well. Yeah. And England seem very well set. They've got two proper, proper central midfielders coming through there. Yeah, let's hope they do well in next yeah. month. Well, let's hope they don't go and sit on City's bench next summer because that is the <laughs> stupidest thing that Phillips could have done. Yes, I'm sure George has a view for us, Calvin Phillips. It's um, it's turning into a bit of a joke, isn't it? Um, how, how many minutes has he played? I'm sure you're counting it up. <laughs> I will have to check that, but I am sure Premier League wise, it's it's single digit. Like it's, it's he has been injured times. in in his. He defense. has, he has. But um, still, anyone could see he wasn't going to displace Rodri, and that's not, that's not good for England because you know talking about England's Player of the Year from from last year, um, but there is apparently a chance he could make. World Cup, but that would seem farcical when he's not playing for his club, obviously. Yeah. Uh, what did we all make of Chelsea's result then? Hilarious. <laughs> Especially because yeah. it was two own goals. <laughs> <laughs> two own Bro- goals. <laughs> it could have been double that by half time from what I saw in match of the day. Bro- yeah. That first goal after four minutes, uh, Thiago Silva. Thiago Silva's sort of player that waves, wavers between being called a Rolls Royce and then just making an awful error from week mm. to week, isn't he? Mm. He looks faultless sometimes, but then then other times he looks far too slow and makes these errors. And then there were yeah. two own goals by Chalabar and who else was it? Chalabar and Loftus-Cheek. Yeah. And uh, Trossard scored a great goal first. Again. My namesake, Pascal, with the late fourth goal. Uh, did you see Potter asked about the booze uh, on yeah. his return at the end? He says he's got nothing to apologise for. He's quite uh, defiant, old Potter, isn't he? Because he also had a... He had a right go at Brighton fans when he was at Brighton for oh, really? not understanding mm. football. They, I think they booed off his team once. It was against us. It was, was against, it against us. Leeds. Yeah, we drew nil nil, but they absolutely battered us nil nil, and they got booed off for not scoring. And he, I remember that. Yeah, he was very defiant. So what, what do you want me to do? I can't make them score. Yeah. Well, I really enjoyed the way he said, uh, "I think I left them in a good place." Mm. And then uh, there's a slight pause, and then he says. As you've seen today, <laughs> because they've won four one against my new team, and they have they to be were. considered for Europe. Surely they're, they're absolutely 
especially at home. Um, yeah, but don't you think they're the sort of team that will fade quite hard toward the... I mean, I don't want to talk them down. I, I do like to see them do well, but I think they might be a sort of fading team after February. Yeah, we'll see. Be good for him to keep hold of Trossard because I think he's destined for a big move eventually. Yes, yeah, he'll he should have a good World Cup with Belgium. Yeah. Mm. The, the problem is there isn't really much room up there now because you expect Newcastle are going to yes. become a permanent fixture. So you've mm-hmm. got six teams who yeah. could be there or thereabouts, and that, that's discounting Liverpool at the moment. Exactly. So yeah. So seven to get there, which is how um, it should be, right? It should be there should be more than. Yeah, guaranteed six teams going for those spots. It's great. I'm all for yeah. it. Seven yeah. into four won't go. Mm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, how does it feel, Mick, to now be above Chelsea with with uh, partially thanks to that late Casemiro goal at the bridge last week? But you're now above them. We're going to preview next week, I'm sure. But the um, the next two matches are massive because yeah. we've got Aston Villa with Emery having started this week proper, um, and then Fulham, and both feel quite winnable. And I think going into the World Cup. I mean, one, West Ham, Villa and Fulham and United are in a really good place with quite a settled team going into the second half of the season. So so they've got to be trying to get six points out of that, although the Villa game looks a lot harder than it did a week ago. You do with boosting your goal difference a bit. I've seen it's one. Yeah, obviously the the City loss and the Brentford loss have really dragged Mm. that down. Um, and, and scoring is our problem. Like United, they you know a better team than United. They've got a second goal uh, at the weekend, and United often get caught in between, not quite sure whether they should go and kill a game or just shut up shop. And they brought on Scott McTominay at, at the hour mark and tried to shut up shop. And I thought that was a mistake by Ten Hag at the weekend. But it's, it's really juicy this weekend coming. United have got a relatively easier fixture against Villa, but there are two very big games that will have a big impact on those European spots. Right, welcome back to part three. Uh, the league leaders, Arsenal, they scored five goals at home to, yeah, I called them hapless before. I think I stand by that, Nottingham Forest. I think it was, uh, was it Mikhail Antonio on match of the day two or maybe Jermaine Genus saying that they should stick with the players that brought them up. George, have they even got the players yeah, that brought I was them up say, anymore, that, having that signed whole, about 20? That um, bolted. <laughs> Brennan Johnson, the young winner, is the only one, I think, who's regularly starting that got them promoted. It's, yeah. it's crazy. And that one defender that I've picked in my fantasy team, isn't it? McKenna, doesn't he still play? Yeah, <laughs> I'm assuming he stays on your bench. Yeah, sorry, I don't know anything about him. He was 4.1 million. Yeah, he was cheap, yeah. Yeah, all that crazy investment has to start coming good soon. Oh, maybe they'll just do it again in January. Yeah, can you imagine? They buy more players in January. Anyway, does anyone want to comment on uh, Arsenal's goals or Only, play? Like, uh, thankfully, Saka's injury is not so bad from an England point of view, but anything else you want to say? Just where's Reese Nelson been? I totally forgot yeah. about him. <laughs> just rocks up with two goals. Great cameo. Um, and Partey is annoyingly only scoring wonder goals now, isn't he? Was a yeah, lovely finish. Got, got one against us and a similar one this time. At what point are we going to acknowledge? I think we have already, actually, that they're proper team and they're not going anywhere and there's a chance they might be the greatest the greatest threat to City winning the league um, yeah I'd like to delay that a bit right. longer maybe give that, till, <laughs> give that till January maybe till after New Year's Day um, but yeah it's annoying that they're growing in confidence and that with every passing week it gets less well, it's uh, it a gets even harder to resist that argument yeah 
big weekend as I mentioned and uh, yeah I think a lot of it will depend on how the next couple of weeks plays out and the sort of momentum teams take into the second half of the season they've got Chelsea next week haven't they yeah they have uh, that's always a big one on Sunday because of Europa League commitments again they've got FC Zurich Thursday and then uh, Stamford Bridge at 12 o'clock on Sunday so let's hope Chelsea can cause some drop points um, what about City they um Nick, you were making the point, are they even reliant on uh, Haaland, who for the first time was out with a knock this weekend, causing havoc among the fantasy Premier League community? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because they, you know, they struggled to break down that Leicester team and relied on a moment of genius from De Bruyne, the the free kick. Yeah, Um, wonderful free kick, yeah. Yeah, I think it was absolutely incredible but to to sort of find the balance and adjust their style they've obviously let sterling go um and it is amazing how quickly a team that got goals from all over has become quite reliant and dependent on his goals and he is obviously a phenomenon uh harland but you took him out this weekend and they just looked a little bit short of ideas up front yeah and also that um europa league game wasn't it no sorry champions league game against uh who was that copenhagen yeah I think they had trouble scoring as well when he wasn't That's there. That's right. Yeah, and I, obviously I mentioned Sterling, but you know they've let Jesus go to um, to Arsenal as well, and those are two players that they probably would have been turning to for goals this weekend if they'd um, if they'd had them available. Okay, and at Newcastle, another big win. I mean, as you've already mentioned, Unai Emery wasn't quite ready there. Um, it was the assistant on the bench again. Villa looking pretty woeful, and especially uh, Tyrone Mings, one of George's favourite subjects. Let's hope he's not on that plane, right, George? Oh, yeah, I mean, if he can make it, anyone can. <laughs> yeah, and I've <laughs> mentioned uh, Almiron's fantastic month. Callum Wilson, um, what do we think about the argument uh, also presented on Match of the Day 2 last night for Callum Wilson to be on the plane? Uh, he is a very injury-prone player, but mm. with a bit of a run with a few games under his belt... He's timing it he right. He's a good goal scorer, isn't he? I mean, none of these yeah. players, Rashford included, they're not being talked about as starters, obviously. But no. just uh, would would you like them to be there? It's I think it's a toss up between him and Tony, and I think maybe Tony peaked a bit too soon. And do you include and Rashford in this discussion? I think Rashford has to go. Really, I right. know he's not necessarily been in favour recently. Not not just because of Sunday's performance. I just think he offers us something. So um, Rashford and one of the other two for you. Yeah, another moment, that's Wilson. Uh, he, he nearly had a hat-trick as well at the weekend. He's in form, but yeah, he's always had lots of setbacks with, with knee injuries specifically. Just just on topic of England, I, I, I don't see how Sterling goes at the moment. Like, he's doing absolutely nothing in that Chelsea team. And right. he's a Southgate, you know, mainstay, isn't he? Be yeah, we expect him to start, don't we? Yeah, yeah, but, um, he's, yeah, he's not pulling up trees at Chelsea. One thing I, think- I would say is that Having watched him, I don't, uh, you know, through the middle, I'm not sure Rashford is a striker. I think he's so much better coming in off the left. And, off the left, yeah. And, it, yeah. and I, I wouldn't want England going into a knockout match with Rashford playing in a Kane role if Kane does his ankle or something. Yeah. So if he's, play, if he's playing off the left, he's probably third choice, isn't he? Yeah. 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 I think so. And, you know, Sancho was in that squad not, not so long ago and he's no end. He's not even getting in the United team now ahead of Alanga. So he's a backup to uh, Sterling, then Rashford. Who would be your. Back up if, as you say, Kane does his ankle or something. I think Wilson is a good shout. I've always liked Wilson because whenever he plays, he scores. And he was doing it for Newcastle before they were good. I think Mikhail Antonio mentioned he's got the best uh, goals to minute ratio after Kane. It's just whether or not you can trust him to play 
in a World Cup and be available when needed. Yeah. And that's a risk. And also Southgate is really loyal. He's not going to throw yeah. in, I don't think, too many wild cards. I think he'll want to know with, go with players that he's used and trusted before. Mm. And all Which, the... All... different to where he's, you know, the way he's approached tournaments in the past where he said it's always about form. And all the other striker options are all bottom half strikers that aren't scoring goals you know yeah. like Watkins has had a go now and again Calvert-Lewin's back and scoring but yeah Calvert-Lewin if, if Calvert-Lewin was able to get three goals in the next couple of weeks I think he might end up right at the top of that list again Maybe. well he's got 10 days till it's announced isn't it so yeah. he's only got mm. one of the one of the league games left to actually make a point Vardy, yeah. is he retired, Vardy, from international football? I think he did, didn't he? So he's not think so. anymore. Yeah. I don't think he's an option yet. So if King gets injured, we're screwed. Yeah, I think we know that anyway, right? <laughs> Which brings us on to Spurs, I suppose, because that's very much uh, the case for us as well. Um, well, I don't want to go on a massive rant. George especially is going to hammer me if I say... Uh... Not this week, I don't care. but yeah uh, George's point listener is always that uh, we're getting the points and we're third in the league and so I shouldn't complain but it is getting worse in terms of how watchable or unwatchable in fact it is Um, I was at the Champions League game against Sporting Lisbon last Wednesday and the first half was really really awful I said to the bloke next to me I'm going to vote with my feet and uh, left on 35 minutes to get a drink. When I came back up for the second half, he said, I wasn't sure I was going to see you again. <laughs> he thought I'd actually left the ground. I was so angry. But uh, no, I, I just, um, it was just awful. And 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 it's happening every single first half. And then again at, at Bournemouth, which I wasn't watching, but I, I heard about and, and listened to on the radio. And I just heard the same stuff as so many games this season, just no urgency, sideways pass. You hear it from the players afterwards, hear them say there wasn't enough urgency. We There was too much sideways pass. And you know, it's just like manager, players, everybody watching, saying the same thing game after game after game and just nothing changes. And I think, uh, was it you, George? <laughs> I think you said... Well, soon enough you're going to consider only going for the second half and it genuinely crossed my mind we got Liverpool next week and I, I just want to cover my eyes for the first 45 minutes see how many we're behind before he gets a reaction out of them but what I want to share with you guys is Tony Cascarino that very wise columnist I say um, perhaps with, a, with an exclamation mark afterwards he says today uh, in his column I have found it very hard to watch Tottenham Hotspur this season. Okay, yes, very shrewd. But Antonio Conte's changes during their 3-2 comeback win against Bournemouth made them much more entertaining and effective. Conte made a triple substitution on the hour mark and switched from a 3-5-2 to a 3-4-3, allowing players other than Harry Kane and Son Kung min to get forward and score. Sure enough, all of their goals came from different players, and neither of the usual forward pair got on the score sheet. And this is under a... Uh, a little subheading in the paper called Conte's changes turned it around for Tottenham. So my question is, how many times do you need to see a manager only succeed when he abandons his own system that he himself has semi-religiously implemented and won't deviate from? Uh, how many times do we have to score goals and do better after he's ditched that to something else till you realise that it's his problem? Or is it like, some sort of elaborate, deliberate strategy to make himself look like a good manager by changing it every game. 
by starting as badly as possible so that he can positively affect the play and make himself look good. I'm not that much of a conspiracy theorist. But luckily, I know a conspiracy theorist, Nick. So what do you think? I don't know, honestly. I'm not sure. But I, we I can't be that cynical, surely. I can't believe that he's trying to make himself look smart every time because he's going to bite him on the ass at some point. It's, yeah. it's not, they're not going to turn it around. They're not going to pay people as accommodating as Bournemouth. Well, wasn't Wednesday, in fact, an example, Sporting Lisbon, um, if, if listeners are unaware of what happened, we went 1-0 down to a really, really average uh, sporting Lisbon team. I thought, of course, it was the ex-Spurs youth, Marcus Edwards, who was back to prove a point who scored against us. That with was a lo- delicious, delicious narrative. Yeah, it was a long shot. We stood off and we deserved it. But I mean, the comeback starts. We get the one goal. Then there's noise in the stadium. Everyone gets behind them. We know we're aware because of the the result in Frankfurt that if we win it, some of us are aware, I say, not, not not many, but I was telling the people around me anyway, that if we win it, we win the group. And then from a corner, as is usual uh, recently, we get that goal in injury time, literally sort of, I think it re- literally was the last kick of the game, uh, 95th minute. And then it's disallowed because of VAR and Conte's fuming and he gets sent off and everything. But isn't that, isn't that just dessert? Because as I've said previously with uh, Marseille and and Frankfurt as well, these players that we have with a with a more attacking setup and a more adventurous outlook at home could be well beaten, I think. I mean, maybe conceding one or two, but like we could have we could have scored more goals and we could have been in the clear before the 95th minute against a team like Sporting. So how we can then get so under so hot under the collar and get sent off again is beyond me. So um yeah, what do you think? I think there's an awful lot riding on this Champions League match this week for him. Yes, it's winner takes all in Marseille. Yeah. But I think also for the season as a whole, I think he'll expected with the amount he's invested in that team yeah. to go very deep into the Champions League this year. And then to be fair, I think he's got a team that should do it. Um, and it's, I would say, arguably easier to win the Premier League as long as City are around. Well, let's let's not talk about winning the Champions League, please. But, but yes, George. I was just going to say, without Kulisevsky and Richarlison, and Richarlison behind Son and Kane, where's your creativity going to come from? Maybe, maybe and there is none. The, and even if there were any, it would be stifled. So maybe that's what why he's the team that finishes games isn't capable of playing that way for ninety minutes. Maybe, and he just I think he intentionally is going behind. I think maybe no. it's, it's a bit like the approach in rugby these days, where you bring on your better players towards the end of the game to finish a game off. And I don't know, just looking at your starting lineup, I mean, you basically have nine defensive-minded players Yes, behind Son and Kane, but then off the bench. And Son and no... Kane camped in our own half as well, so it's, <laughs> it might as well be 10. But then there's nothing 11. on the bench that could have changed that. It's, no, it, there it's isn't. a very defensive squad, full stop. Um, is Kulisevsky out for a long time? Is it, how much longer have you got to put up with this? I know I can't I can't wait till he's back but that's the worst thing that's happened this season was it, I don't know how accurate it was there was a quote from Conte I can't remember who the source was I'm afraid but saw a quote from Conte that he that he thought um Kulisevsky was too adventurous like too <laughs> essentially too much fun and Kulisevsky has been the best thing of 2022 for a Spurs fan I think he's just been fabulous and so much fun in an otherwise boring team and then to hear that the coach basically doesn't want that and wants to beat it out of him. That's just, I don't know, it's almost heartbreaking. I've got some good news for you, though. 
apparently they're negotiating Conte a new contract. <laughs> yeah, well. Because no, he's actually I, out of contract at the end of this season. I didn't know that. Um, I welcome your opinion, George. Um, your idea that it might be because of what he's got available. I just, mm. what I don't understand is how um, he can act surprised. Because if he, if he came out and said something like that, like, yes, we set up to to basically make it to an hour and then see, like sort of, I don't know, the likes of West Brom and Hull used to do 10 years ago when they came to White Hart Lane. I've seen that a lot, just try and survive for 80 minutes and then get a goal. And believe me, I know the tactic. But if he was honest about that, like Pulis and Allardyce and Phil Brown and these people. Roy just I- said it this weekend. He said my goal, my goal was to still be in the match at the 70th minute. Who said that? Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, okay. So well, he's always been honest. <laughs> but yeah, I would accept that so much more than, than this surprise that he shows at how inert we were. And then a lot of fans around me as well, they say in the second half, when I turn around to people next to me and I go, where was this first half? And they all go, they all, they're all like enthralled to Conte and they say, well, he's giving them a right bollocking, isn't it? It's that telling off they've got at half time. I just think like, this is all the players' fault, is it? This is not to do with how we set up in their minds. It's just that they're a bit sleepy, a bit lazy. It's the kickoff time. I don't know what, but I don't know. Sometimes I want to say, uh, wake up, it's his responsibility. And the reason I say about the squad is also like, he didn't play like this for Chelsea. So game didn't get Chelsea playing like this, did he? Like they romped that title when he was at Chelsea. Yeah, but Conte, didn't, didn't, Chelsea fans, didn't Chelsea fans ultimately, and didn't the club ultimately fall out with him because, in, partially because of the style? Am I misremembering maybe, that? Maybe, yeah. I just remember them winning the league at a counter. Yeah. Which he might yet do with you. You never know. <laughs> sure. I'll hold my hand up. Anyway, yeah, let me just explain the scenario to listeners who are not so closely involved in Group D of the Champions League. Uh, it, this coming week, it's Marseille at home to Tottenham, Sporting at home to Eintracht. And it's the only group in the Champions League where no team has yet sealed qualification. So every team's played five games. Spurs are top with eight points. Sporting and Frankfurt are both on seven and Marseille are on six. So uh, Spurs will qualify and win the group with a win. Spurs and Sporting just need draws to go through. But if Spurs lose, they will definitely finish third because of uh, the points of the other the other fixture as well. Uh, they will definitely finish third and end up in Europa League. So yeah, it is a it is a big night coming up in Europe. Okay, welcome back to a short part four. Just previewing next weekend there's only two more rounds of the premier league to go before the world cup which starts in less than three weeks quite incredibly southgate is announcing his squad on the 10th i believe so we have two rounds in the premier league and the third round of the league cup to go for manchester united as nick has mentioned that means a couple of games against unai emery's aston villa at villa park in the league on sunday and then at home at old trafford the following, uh, I think Thursday was it, on TV. Of course, it's been chosen for TV, as it always is, Nick. Well, gotta go with the audience, <laughs> huh? The, the audience, ageing as it is, is still there. <laughs> Leeds, uh, who have Leeds got in the cup? Remind me. Wolves away. Boring, boring. Oh, boring. Wolves away, sense. yeah. 
as uh, as unglamorous as it gets at the moment. That is not on TV. <laughs> I'm afraid you're doomed to lose that because United have to have their mandatory Wolves Cup tie coming up, so they're going to have to win that. I'm going to have to start yeah. checking you know, on how many times you've played them in the Cup. I do remember <laughs> a few uh, Cup defeats to Wolves for United, to be fair. I do remember a couple. I think we had them every year for about four years in a row in one of the Cups. George is checking it as we speak, listener. George is myth-busting. Yeah. (laughs) To what extent do we care or not about the League Cup, gents? I'll care if we're still in it come February. Yeah. Um, And George, just a nuisance for you. You'll you'll only watch it if you get to the final. (laughs) I'd just like to win a game now and again. It'd be lovely. Don't really care. (laughs) All right. So not completely (laughs) writing it off then. The wins yeah. at Anfield, you've already got that out of your system. <laughs> yeah, that's our second day in the sun, slash floodlights, so now we'll lose the next nine. <laughs> and we're away at Forest, so that'll be nice. Uh, won there earlier in the season, so don't mind that. And wouldn't mind terribly if we went out, if I'm totally honest. Sandwiched between home games against Liverpool and Leeds, and I'll be at both of those to report in the coming weeks. But elsewhere on the weekend... Uh, lots of games on Sunday because of European commitments. So Chelsea, Arsenal, as we've mentioned, Sunday at noon. Villa, Man United, Southampton, Newcastle's the first offering on Sky. Let's see if Newcastle can keep up their run. West Ham and Palace. And then Spurs, Liverpool, the uh, primetime offering at 4.30. On the Saturday, meanwhile, Everton, Leicester is chosen for TV. I mentioned uh, last week quite incorrectly that uh, Fulham Everton this Saturday would be a cracker I think I called it and uh, it was anything but it was nil nil one um, of those crackers that doesn't bang you have to yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was quite surprised by that because of how many goals uh, Fulham have been scoring and also that uh, it was Calvert-Lewin back and all this narrative around Everton uh, thought there would be some goals in that but no they cancelled each other out next weekend Fulham go to City a uh, very difficult assignment for them, of course. Let's see if Haaland is back. Um, Leicester go to Everton. Wolves are at home to Brighton. Forrester at home to Brentford. And Leeds at home to Bournemouth. So um, quite a huge game for Leeds, I'd say, isn't it? With only two league matches before the World Cup for you to rack up a few more important points. It would be nice to move away from the bottom three a bit more um, before the World yeah. Cup break. And this, like I said before, is an ideal fixture. I think if you could create your own fixture this weekend, it'd be Bournemouth at home. So yeah, yeah, look I forward agree. to a massive letdown. And something else that might be worth a watch as well as uh, Spurs in Marseille is, although both teams are through already, they're playing for the group win, is Liverpool at home to Napoli. Napoli are one of the most informed sides in all of Europe, aren't they? And they're banging in the goals. So it'd be interesting to see what they can do at Anfield, having beaten Liverpool in Naples earlier in the season. And uh, Manchester United are away at uh, Real Sociedad, David Moyes' former that, charges. That is quite an interesting game because that's a straight shootout to win the group and avoid yeah. the extra round. Ah, uh, you avoid a whole round as as yeah. West Ham will because they've won every game in their group, so they've already sealed that. Yeah, you're right. You get a a little a little prize of less football. Yeah, if you uh, if you win. Quite interesting. I was hoping to go, but sadly couldn't make the work. Couldn't make it work. Yeah, that would be a nice trip. Yeah. Okay. Any other comments? No. <laughs> <laughs> so should, should we give the last word to uh, George this week? Since uh, such a rare feeling of success. How's your week going to go? No. Having got three points at Anfield, what's the difference? How does it feel? 
Um, it's nice getting into my office, which is full of Liverpool fans for once. Um, <laughs> it's nice to have a result that all my fellow football supporting friends can enjoy as well. Yeah. To carry that, carry that baton. I think Liverpool will become that team that everyone likes to to beat. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, gents. Looking forward to speaking again next week. Then after another big weekend of football, and uh, let's hope we can get close to another clean sweep and nine points again, eh? Let's do it. The pod's uh, a lot more cheerful when that happens. Yeah, isn't it? So not much, not much to moan about. You seem to find a way. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I'm sure there'll be more to moan about after Marseille and Liverpool. I'm absolutely sure of it. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, Nick. Thank you. Good evening. And thank you, George. See you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Cheers.